Welcome to Speaking in Spoons, the chronically ill podcast with your host, Christina Brooklyn. Hi, this is uh, Christina Brookman, your host for Speaking in Spoons with the lovely Lexi and Dr. Strauss, where every week is pain week. Uh, this week we are talking about relationships. Um, we also, Lexi had a great idea. She mentioned, not great idea. We're both in San Francisco to avoid the hurricane. I guess, are you in the Florida swamps, Nate? I'm hiding in tall grass. Okay, there you <laughs> go. He's being inspired by He's you, so green. Lexi. No, no, where? I could be in any grass on this planet. Oh, wait, the hurricane will never find me. There you go. You're in the Philippines. But a shout out to the families in Florida and all along. The East Coast, um, you know, people are are really suffering. Shout out, no, really shout out. Condol- uh, condolences. Thank Great. you. Great. Yeah. Shout I'm out. not thinking well today. Um, uh, for those of you that have been following, I just had um, spinal sur- neck surgery last week to remove all the hardware from my neck. Um, we're going to do an update episode on that maybe next week or something. We're actually talking to Mr. Eric Dieters, uh, who is the lawyer for a lot of the cases up in Ohio against Dr. Durrani, the butcher of Pakistan, who was my former um, surgeon and my new surgeon, uh, Dr. Scheimer, I just want to give a shout out and thank you to him and his team at UVA because um, they uh, they really helped. He said it was everything was so loose in there. He was worried about it hitting my spine. So uh, glad it's all out, and I'm here. So let's let's get to the dirt, peeps. Let's talk about relationships. We're just going to like pass the conch and talk about how disability, what our disabilities are, because some people may not know, and um, how they have affected our relationships, both romantically and, or do you want to start with one or the other first, like friends and family, and then go to romance? No, let's start with romance. That's what everybody's here for. True. Let's get to the dirt. week. Okay, romance. How has disability affected your romantic relationships? Anybody want to start? Well, like I said with Nick, it gave me a dirty little secret that I either had to tell my partner about from the get-go or hide from her. And then she would find out eventually and then, you know, yell at me about it. Well, tell your story of dating through MS a little bit. My 14-year story of dating. Yeah, well, that's actually, people may not know, that's how Nate and I met, uh, was through OkCupid. Um, I posted on my profile all of my dirt about my house. And at the time, um, 
like you have said, Nate, you were um, not you not public about that. Um, well, this was more invisible in those days. Yeah. I mean, not to um, me. It was always visible, but to other people, it was very invisible. Yeah. So it was easier, I guess, to go about with the normal people and pretend like you were normal. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was nice when we met and you opened up and I was like, oh, somebody who gets it. And we oh, became yeah. really good friends. We did. We, hang, we hung out a lot. I mean, we still Watching hang Luther. Out. Luther. Yeah, his life. Luther is life. Luther is life. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun little mantra. And then we got a little bit more intimate for a hot second. And then um, things kind of fizzled. Yeah. We remain friends. And I think that's better, honestly, in the long run. Yeah. I don't, I don't talk to any ex-girlfriends. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel special. Yeah, you could have just been a number. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Now you're my friend. Friend? You're my soulmate, boo. I call you my soulmate. Yeah, we would yeah. be the horrible couple because we disagree about like everything when it comes to medicine and science. Yeah, um, you're all for it, and I'm all against it. I'm. I like a happy medium, but yes, I am pro vaccine, and which apparently you have to ask about these days. I was online dating at a guy not only is anti-covid vaccine but he doesn't vaccinate his children for anything and i was like no that's gonna be a problem we man, can't I marry that man <laughs> you're gonna marry that man my soulmate i'm sorry He's you're my... in the, see i was gonna say you're in the philippines with your your uh your wife in the philippines oh it won't be so funny when she's actually my wife so <laughs> be funny joke until then i don't i just um yeah well we can start from the beginning i was dating a girl when i got diagnosed yeah that was fun we both went on this like death spiral together and then i don't know it made me getting sick i don't know if it was the med but i got so paranoid about everything yeah especially her like i didn't trust her and then I didn't trust the girl I left her for, but that might have been, I mean, that might have, that probably had some, like, validity to it, not to trust her, but I don't know, it's just been really difficult to trust anybody for a long time. I hear time. that, yeah. Sorry, Phoenix wants to eat my dinner, because it smells good. Tell him to get off the podcast unless he has something intelligent to say. <laughs> um, Why? Uh, you said you tried, you sabotaged relationships. Phoenix, you sabotaged relationships because um, like you wanted to get married and have kids, but you were, I don't know. Not consciously, but I hated myself for a very long time. Yeah. And I thought about killing myself a couple of times, sometimes once a week. Like when I was living down in Richmond, I used to think about killing myself like at least once every week. 
I mean, I've done a lot of self-sabotaging. I think the reason I broke up with the girlfriend that I had when I got diagnosed was partially because I didn't want to saddle her with whatever was coming. Yeah. But there was also paranoia of I didn't trust her. Interesting that you bring up this paranoia because I I don't know if it's paranoia with me, but like it's a... I have some real trust issues. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, she had cheated on me a couple times. Like, she never slept with anybody, but she kissed a couple people, or that's what she told me, and I just had a hard time. But I kept taking her back because I was afraid to be alone. Yeah. I am. Um... And I, you know, it's always gilded, like your memories. You remember the good times and you don't remember the bad times. Yeah. Like I look back on my relationship with her and I only remember the good things. Maybe that's healthy, though, in a way. Although it doesn't help you with future. It, It's your mind protecting you in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Um... Lexi, how about you? How has disability affected your relationship? Well, I mean, starting off, I, I mean, did you mention the Did anybody mention the statistic that I love? No, go um, for it. So, like, they did a study about people with chronic and terminal illnesses, and they were like, yo, do relationships last? And, um, and pretty much it was, they found that, like, in those cases, like, you know, basically 25% of men stay and 75% leave. And the opposite is true for women. 25% leave and 75% stay if the partner is male. And they only did it with male and female. So um, that's that was just the demographics of the study. Yeah. Um but um yeah so like i mean now that i'm chronically ill i'm like you know and even before that like you know multiple relationships ended because of the migraines um once you they see about a good about a really good attack where i was like either double-sided or or single or you know um you know, and it's not on them. Like, you know, a lot of them had chronically ill parents and, you know, like they didn't want to see, you know, their partner go through that, you know, especially so young. So like, I get it. Um, and I couldn't, you know, be part, of, you know, I'm not that dream of, you know, the, the ideal mate. Yeah. The ideal mate of like the one that goes to work and everything. We all know that, that, that aspect. And, um, you know, so, you know, I mean, I just kind of like, it's not really, if it happens, it happens. If it's not, if it doesn't, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much okay with that too. I mean, when I was a kid, I pretty much like dreamed about having a, uh, a dog in an apartment anyway. So, I mean, I pretty much just foresaw the future, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I um when I had a kid I always dreamed of a family like a 
just a happy, healthy family. And uh, of course, I always dreamed of my childhood sweetheart. Um, or and you know, we would be married. I could picture the kids, and our entire house was carpeted. Like even the kitchen. Who does that? Who carpets kitchen? <laughs> Bad idea, Brooklyn. But um yeah, I uh I was married and um I think it brought a lot of challenges into our relationship. He was my best friend. Um I was just we had made a lot of plans of things we would do professionally together. And then my ability to do that changed. Um, and his interests evolved too. Um, and ours kind of diverged. Um, but I think a big issue that we ran into early in our marriage was that I had a very strong need to feel safe when a lot of these, um, like emergencies were coming up, like going to the ER, like my back going out, things like that. And I didn't feel safe. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And when you're in that kind of pain, you know, you can't think well. Um, and I really wanted somebody to be there and help just advocate for me and kind of direct chat, like just say as if I were a kid, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's going to um, and he was not comfortable doing that because he very much wanted to leave me my choice, um, which I appreciate. But um, I think that was an area that was difficult for both of us. And as I've gotten older, I've come to realize, and I've gotten better at the years at communicating my medical needs, I've come to realize I am my best advocate and I, I get shit done. <laughs> for me, except when I'm paralyzed and I can't talk, then I can't do it. And that's, that's a whole daunting other, but I'm, you know, trying to set up powers of attorney and pre-communicate with doctors and have cheat sheet paperwork that I always carry around with me. But I think that's very hard in relationships. Um, you feel like you need and not just a lover and a friend, you need an advocate. And some people are scared of those type of roles and are uncomfortable with those type of roles and then feel like you're judging them for not being that for you. Um, and it was very traumatic uh, when he left because it, um, Phoenix is eating my stuff. Not my food. He's eating bags. Um, but it was traumatic because I was sick at the time. You know, I'd gotten out of the hospital and I couldn't go back home and say goodbye to my friend. I never I've never gotten to in person say goodbye to people and that was hard. But I think it was honestly the best thing that ever happened for both of us. You know, because I think I've heard he's doing well, which is great. makes me happy. Um, but also, we obviously weren't right for each other, you know. And um, 
my health has only gotten increasingly worse and I really need, but I still do. I like you, Lexi. I know I'm probably going to end up being a cat lady um, or a dog lady. I, I can't care for dogs, but anymore, cause I can't walk them, but so I'll be a cat lady, but I really want to fit. I don't want to die alone. <laughs> That's my big thing. I don't want to die <sighs> alone, but we all die I alone. I'm like, scared of that too. I just want to. I'm wanna, so terrified I, of that. Yeah, I just don't want to be in the room by myself. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I just got to make really good friends with the nurses, and yeah, that's that's scary, you know. And I'm at the point, and I know you're kind of there right now, Lexi, of having to go to a freaking nursing home right now. And I don't want to. It would be horrible for me because of all this, the sensory exposure. Like, I, my trigeminal would just be through the roof and the migraines. Like, I'd be paralyzed and then just laying with like needles and knives in my eyes and ears. And because everybody's going to be sanitizing, people got hairspray and perfumes, and it'd just be a mess. Plus, they're not going to have Netflix, and I would die without Netflix. <laughs> phoenix i'm gonna throw something at you i'm the crazy cat lady but online dating holy hell it's hell it is such hell what what was your worst date uh my worst uh you're without I, I is more the conversations I, I like I like online dating in that you know it gets very isolated having these disorders sometimes so sometimes when I'm able to be on the phone and message and things like like right now I'm having trouble with that because of my photophobia but it's enjoyable to just talk to people yeah. like and have company you know and yeah. to meet people and some honest flirting what what's wrong with that i'm a single 40 year old woman i'm allowed that and i've made some of my best friends like nate <laughs> and i've got a couple other really great friends that i've made through online dating um so it's great there's just you know virginia had a serial killer <laughs> it i hate it i hate it i hate it i hate online dating i hate dating in general i would rather just you know and my whole motto is anything they do in your head is better than what they're going to do in real life anyway but the so. problem is you can't <laughs> physically get out there and meet anybody so how <laughs> like what am i supposed to do like and then i have to be like i'm sorry i can't physically go out to have coffee with you or a nice dinner not that i could even afford it but mm -hmm. uh, here, what well, does the restaurant accept my food stamps? Um, but uh, I'm usually open and people are nice and they'll they'll help me with things. But now I can't even physically get out. So I have to be like, hey, would you like to have a nice watch TV or movie in the living room? And I'll light some candles so it doesn't smell like cat pee. <laughs> but I can't be like, hey, let's on the first date let's go watch tv on my bed like i mean i could but i don't want to like i'd like to i don't know it's just it's challenging and yeah. it makes intimacy challenging because of pain you know that's a whole other like i have to talk to my physical therapist about like appropriate 
positions and things like that. And that's going to be taboo, but I, tried to I was like, crying. Waters to see if my PT was okay with that question. And he was like, let's just not talk about things like that. And I was like, okay. Uh, uh, Cause I don't know how to do like, so like, I'm just looking up geriatric Kama Sutra now. <laughs> and Geriatric Kama Sutra. Yeah. Okay. I've looked up like books for like back pain and things like like positions for back pain, but I can't read now. So I really do need the physical therapist to help. Yeah, and, I mean, like tantric, maybe that would be cool. But um, this is a legitimate concern, not just for like young people, but for like, I mean, human connection in intimacy and connection is a big part of any relationship. So to ignore that as doctors and physical therapists, I think is inhumane because, you know, like I, I cried to my physical therapist. I was like, how do I do this? Because every time I do it, my back goes out and I can't walk for like a week. And that doesn't seem like a good idea. And then, you know, it, someone I'm seeing now is like, uh, the therapist wise, is like, well, let's wait till we get you through the surgery. And and I'm like, I'm out of the surgery. I'm like, okay, I'm out of the surgery. Can we talk about this? And she's like, um, let's wait till you get healed. And I'm like, honey, I'm never healed. <laughs> let's just be honest about that. I am never healed. This is ongoing crap of my life. We got to talk and adjust every week. And I need help here. Because I don't want to feel dead. Yeah. I mean, you feel dead already. Like, I mean, there's only so much fucking Netflix you can fucking watch. Oh, sorry. I am the explicit and the explicit content um, part that shows up on Netflix for us. We're not on Netflix, honey. We're on Spotify. 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 That's what I meant. Like I am explicit every time I see that it says explicit. Every time I'm like, well, that's fucking me. <laughs> um. All right. I realized if I turned on the light, maybe we would stop having issues, and I was right. <laughs> I know that's what I had to do. Phoenix, like no. In wraith thing going on, which I thought was pretty cool. Wait, it was what? It like a Tolkien wraith. Sort of look like oh, give, me, cool. give me the ring, Proto. Give me this. so that's like part of green light therapy, man. Like hey, I tried to put the, like the look. You should put that on your Tinder. So wait, I don't have Tinder. Tinder. No, Tinder is just for online. Like I mean, I, I I need to break down and probably do that, but I don't want to. Have like, you ever I'll done it for like a day and then get terrified and sign right the fuck back off? I'm just saying, like, make fake Tinder where you're a wraith from Lord of the Rings. And you say, enjoys looking for the one ring. <laughs> <laughs> you know where the one ring is, please DM. <laughs> no, no, Nate and I, I got to... into the whole scams on online dating and he was telling about me about them. And I'm like, that's not real. And then it happened. And I was like, I, I, I pulled a Nate because he was telling me how he was like messing with them. And so I like, you know, they want money. They want a gift. Like, so I, this guy, like he um, messages me 
and is like hey beautiful and i'm like you're too pretty to like me like you're like model this is not happening so you're fake but i was like i'll go with this and see what happens um and then his english was not there and i was like this is a really a fake account and then like and he's just being very sweet and lovey-dovey and not like a guy at all and tell me how beautiful i am and then like a couple uh a little bit later um uh he uh he's like oh i'm having trouble with my internet um and i was like oh that's awful and he's like yeah i i i'm trying to get i i need money for itunes and i was like really and he's like yeah i need an apple he's like do you think you could help he's like and i was like is there anything i can do to help and he's like do you think you could get me an apple gift card and i was like sure whatever i could do to help how much do you need and he's like do you think you can afford five hundred dollars and i was like absolutely and then i cut him off and i blocked him but nate's like you should have kept going you gotta lean into it like i usually try to find a gift card picture on google and then send them the gift card picture and then they want like a i they usually want it through cash app so i have to find a cash app picture with with that exact amount and then Mm -hmm. send i don't know it's just like a long game of me just just continuing this uh, or I'll just, I don't know, the last girl I talked to was on this new dating app, called, well, I don't know if it's new, but the ve- vegan dating app called Vegly. I met this girl, well, I didn't meet her, I, I connected with this girl named Michelle with two M's, but not where you think. <laughs> in the beginning of her name, and she said she was in the military, and she wanted to talk to me on WhatsApp. And usually when someone says they want to talk to you on WhatsApp, that's a sign that's that but it wasn't a scam with the girl from the Philippines. Probably because up- she got scammed before, and so she kept the WhatsApp. That's what I did. Well, I think if you're not in oh. the U.S., a lot of foreign countries use WhatsApp. Yeah. But the the telltale is usually when I demand them to video chat with me because they will refuse. They'll they say don't like, want a video chat. They'll yeah. say my internet's not working, or I need money for my internet. My internet's getting shut off. Or my camera's broken. The first guy oh. that scammed me, he did a video chat with me, but he was like frozen or it would move for like a second or two. And I was like, oh crap. Nate warned me about this. And they'll try and, to use a recording yeah. person talking. And you can tell it's like a recording because it just plays once and sometimes it loops. And I don't know. They're just yeah. like, I, I have, just don't understand taking advantage of people who are out there trying to make it's just mean. It's bullies, romance bullies. Advantage of stupid Americans when you live in like Cameroon or wherever the hell these people are from. I was, I was, I was um, propositioned by this very white girl who ended up being this black kid from some nation in Africa. It was just we ended up having this conversation about like why he's scammed. Cause I ended up, I, I think I just ended up beating him so hard with what I was saying. Like I was talking to him in whatever language he was with, with like a Google translate. I was texting him in that language and eventually he just dropped the ruse and wanted to be friends. That's kind of cool. 
That's was, really cool. I didn't want to be friends with him, though. <laughs> You're like, friendship canceled. I know, but I'm just like, I'm just amazed that you were like, you're like, man, this guy's like, you know, you befriended a scammer. Like, no, that's pretty, that's pretty, you, you, you conned, like, you just like befriended the scanner, the scammer. I can't. (sighs) One of the caveats of dating online, especially if you're, if you're sick like me, you can't go anywhere and like meet the person. You're stuck to being virtual, and when you're stuck to being virtual, it just opens up these, you know, avenues for these you know, scammer people to come in and try to take advantage of you. Yeah. And it must work on some people because they keep doing it. I mean, I don't know. Like, are people that horny that they would send some chick a gift card? So that there might be some possible chance she's come over and have sex with you. I think they're that lonely. Like, haven't you guys just gotten so lonely and isolated from this that you just that lonely? Are you lying? I can never tell when you're like teasing me. Not not enough to give them five hundred dollars. Oh, I would never give them money because they don't even have any. But like, I have money. I'm just I don't one. I don't trust that they would actually come over. Although I did end up, you know, I did end up talking to an actual prostitute back when I lived in Towson. This girl, she friended me. I forget what app I was on. It was one yeah. of those apps, like, ripe with scammers. And I ended up meeting her and then having this, like, deep conversation about sex. Ended up, she ended up telling me that her favorite word for vagina was tomato. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was because it was the passion fruit. It was the the toma- passion fruit, tomato. The tomato. Would is- passion fruit be the passionate fruit? Yeah. Tomatoes are um. I forget Juicy. What they're no, they're called like they're called like uh has to do with love. They are. Oh. A fruit, they're a fruit associated with. Oh, we lost Lexi. We lost Lexi. She'll be back. That's anyway. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. Maybe we should have her on the podcast. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't. Although have... it's our, I don't know how we incorporate that in. Phoenix, you're not in the podcast. That's December. She's she knows what lovers want because she does it for a living. Yeah. Maybe we... she give us like. You know, positions for disabled for pain. No, I'm sorry. It's actually, she, has... she probably could. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. She's. I mean, she looks like she's in relatively okay condition. Well, up next, uh, we're gonna do our interview section with the Brookmans, and then our friend Nick. And then uh, we'll do like a powwow discussion about that. So stay with us. Stay tuned. Hi, um, this is Christina Brookman, your host with Speaking in Spoons uh, with my lovely co-host, Dr. Strauss. And uh, we have our guests, the Brookmans. 
um, uh, Jane and Charlie Brookman on here to talk about relationships and disability. So um, I, uh, Charlie is actually my grandfather's brother. Um, and so that is how we know each other. And um, I just want to ask you two guys to tell us a little bit about yourselves and why you're here. Okay, um, I'm Jane Brookman and uh, I uh, was a teacher with Roanoke City Public Schools for uh, many years in elementary school and then transitioned the last seven years of, of my career uh, to work with the special ed department in the central office and provide assistive technology uh, for the students. And I was administrator for the IEP program. The, we instituted online IEPs. And uh, so uh, that helped me, I think, uh, transition into when Charlie started having difficulties that limited his abilities to do things he wanted to do to help work with him with uh, uh, getting some assistive technologies and some things. Aren't you want to tell them about you? <laughs> uh, I worked for a trucking company for 32 years and then <clears throat> I built some houses uh, and this is how I met Jane. Uh, she came along one day and wanted to buy one of these houses, and I just sold it to her, and that's how we met, but it was years later after that that we really met. Okay, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so how long have you guys mine, been I'm oh, sorry. No, that's all right. A friend of mine uh, teased me that... Uh, I bought the house and kept the realtor too. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think you guys are so cute. Um, so how long have you been married now? Going on 42 years. Congratulations. Yeah, right. How about that? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Um and uh how would you and never huh? had never had any fist fights yet. <laughs> Not yet. To the That's moon, Alice. <laughs> too old now to fight. <laughs> How long um were you uh how long were you in the, the marriage, the relationship before you started having um medical problems and disability, Charlie? Oh man. I don't know well how was okay your uh your surgery your first surgery was like 13 years ago yeah. so so we were into like 28 years close to 30 oh, years. wow so, yeah. yeah um and what are some of your um medical problems and disabilities that uh that challenges that you face charlie uh I've had a desert replacement. I need another one and need a shoulder worked on. Uh, I had macular degeneration and then they took cataracts off my eyes. And when they done that, I, I lost my eyesight. I, I could see to walk. I would use a cane all the time. Yeah. 
I've got to watch where I'm stepping because I can't see steps and stuff like that. And I have this lady here that helps me along. So I like talking about your back surgery too. Yeah, but I have I've had having four or five back surgeries, and uh, uh, that helped straighten me up. But uh, he has bars in his back that uh, mm. limits his mobility. He can't yeah. bend okay. over. So he can't dry his feet or tie his shoes or, you know, things like that that people take for granted every day. Yes, um, we, uh, Nate and I are very familiar with those um, acts of daily living that, you know, you take, like you said, people take for granted. And when you lose them, it's it's devastating and very hard to ask for help and get comfortable relying on other people um how would you say that your relationship has been affected by um your health conditions from both for both of your perspectives uh i i, I had when i lost my eyesight i i had been driving since i was 15 years old mm -hmm. i had to give up my driver's license and i kept them until they ran out hoping something would come along yeah and you know bring restore my eyesight but it didn't and that was the hardest thing i ever done to give up my because i did most of the driving until then and she was happy to sit back and sleep while i drove <laughs> now, now she has to drive and I'm I don't I'm scared to go and sleep. <laughs> no, Are you that bad of a driver, Jane? No, I'm no, a very she's a good, good driver. Really <laughs> I'm just teasing. But, you know, but I, 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 think, I think the fact that his eyesight is that he doesn't he can't see, you know, ahead of us and everything. Yeah. It just makes him tense when he's riding, mm -hmm. you know, and especially at night. It's like he's I think it's sort of like he's hurtling through dark outer space because he can't see what's coming at us and you don't know what's next yeah i am um, with these migraines that i was telling you about and trigeminal there are periods where i can't see very well and it's like it's not what you experience at all but i understand that fear of like not knowing what's out there and um what's ahead of you and and also the loss i can't drive anymore and the loss of that independence you know that freedom is very emotional like, like you said like that was that i think has been one of my hardest things is not being able to just say hey i'm gonna go to this place and get in the car and take myself there i have to make arrangements and um there's a lot of power in driving like you're you know freedom freedom mm -hmm. yeah um how would you say it's affected your relationship jane like your role in the relationship maybe well we we always had um, an equal relationship there wasn't like mm -hmm. a, a head and a sub or what we were always equal but i've had to take over and do uh, a lot of the things that that charlie always did anything uh -huh. that 
that would involve him driving himself and going and running errands and, you know, just little everyday things, but also major things because he can't see to read. Uh, I've, I've gotten power of attorney so I can sign for him and any kind of business dealings that we have, I have to, I have to take care of that and all the paperwork and all the things. And so, so we can't, we're not really totally equal partners anymore. It's kind of shifted more in my direction. Right. But, but I try very hard to include him in all the decisions and, you know, he knows everything that's going on. He just can't take over. Physically do it. Yeah. And you're so emotionally your partners. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. And it sounds like you had a really solid foundation of being partners, um, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I know it sounds like, um, Charlie, you have an incredible trust in Jane um, to, because I know how hard it is to allow people to sign, doc, not be able to read them. Um, I have trouble with that. And I I always like there's this thing now where um, they want you to sign without reading because of like, and I'm like, no, I want to myself or somebody else needs a hard copy that we can read. Like, I'm not just going to you telling me that that's what I'm signing for is not okay because oh. that could not be what I'm signing for. Um, um, so I'm a real pain in the butt when I go to the doctors and I make them print a hard copy that someone can read and then we sign it but I think um I can imagine that takes a lot of trust on your part Charlie in Jane um for uh to allow her to to do that how can you explain like what that's like for you I I said a long time ago people would say anything to us before I got like this and I said, we live in a household of equals, and we do. We don't go to bed at night mad at each other. We, uh, we talk about each thing we're going to do, have done to the house or whatever. We discuss it and, and agree or disagree, whatever. But we don't get in no big fights over it, so it's not worth it. Yeah, you just talk it through. Yeah. That's wonderful. I was going to say, what do you think is the key to having this successful relationship so long? Uh, you both give and take, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. well, I think you have to have empathy. You, know, mm -hmm. you, have, you have to be able to somehow you can't really imagine what the other person's going through, but you have to understand it and, uh, and have just everything that empathy entails. You know, you just try your best, the best you can to understand what they're going through and to, to try to make it easier for them. If you could uh, give advice to um, younger generations or even, you know, older generations that are now experiencing medical conditions that they didn't have previously in their relationship. Um, what, what advice would you give to them? Well, I think sometimes 
early in relationships, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking about maybe even five, six years married, um, it's really easy to, when you run across problems, to give up and, you know, say divorce is an option, you know, where I'm out of here, you know, this, yeah. but, um, you just have to, you have to be committed to the relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you're deeply committed to the relationship, then you're going to see it through. And as each thing, each little small problem that comes along that you can get through it together, you get stronger. And then when the big, hard problems come along, then you have some experience, some background in dealing with problems together and you can lean on each other and you can get through that too. Um, Nate, did you have any questions? I mean, I just, it's, it's nice that you have someone that you can rely on like a partner. It's just, uh, it's very fortunate that you got sick, but that, I mean, that's unfortunate, but that you had somebody there that was able to help you and care for you and understand or try to understand what you're going through. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. That yeah. is something we both have struggled with, Nate and I, and I know Lexi, so. I know we'll talk about this in our own conversation. Yeah. About I think we've all approached them a little bit differently. And I don't know if that's a generational thing or what, or just a luck of the draw sort of thing. Like we didn't, I mean, things, things could have gone differently for all of us where we would have been with somebody or it's just, uh, just this is the way things ended up. And I'm not sure it's general. Well, maybe it is somewhat generational, but uh, I know a lot of, uh, you know, I know a, a lot of my generation that just threw in the towel and gave up too. Yeah. yeah. It has to be a personal, I think, decision that I'm committed to this relationship. But, you know, not all relationships are that, are the type that you can stay committed to, you know, the things, you know, Right. bumps come up that you can't overcome but uh and, but i and love what you said about not going to bed angry and and being it's a household of equals you know true partnership like i think a lot of people don't approach relationships like that like you talked about there's no head no you know like um I just think that's really healthy, the way you communicate together. It's beautiful, like Nate was saying. Yeah, is that just something um, that you've always felt or something you had to work on to be with each other? Like, I know when you, you marry someone, you commit to them through sickness and in health. And I guess maybe you took that to heart, right? Like that's, why you're together is because you made a vow to each other that you were going to be there. Is that, or is it I, something? I think so. And I, I think my father set a, a wonderful example for me growing up. Uh, he, uh, he had, you know, he had difficulties with my mother. <laughs> and in fact, uh, Charlie asked him one time privately, you know, how he, how he was hanging on, how he was putting up with it. And he told him, he said, I made a commitment and I'm going to see it through. So, uh, and he was there for everything she needed and in difficult, <laughs> difficult times. And uh, 
so I grew up with that example. And uh, so I, I hadn't thought about that, you know, coming into this conversation, but I think I did have that example. And uh, I, I wanted to, I guess I wanted to be like my daddy. I wanted to, you know, to see it through. And so that gave me a, a better perspective maybe than I would have had otherwise. And she's How about a, you, Charlie? She's a whole lot like her daddy, too. I, yeah. I, I think that I'm more like my brother because my brother put up with a whole lot of stuff, too. Yes, married. he did. <laughs> you might want to delete that. But <laughs> no, it's, I love my granny, but everybody that knows my granny knows she was a pistol. <laughs> yes. And he was the calm in the storm. He just he just uh, took a whole lot. Yeah, <clears throat> but just just an interesting thing uh, uh, when when your granny was in the uh, nursing home and we would go visit her and tried to go often and um, she and Charlie were not particularly close but you know he was the only one left and we felt like we needed to go and so forth and yeah. Every time she would see him, even though she also had macular degeneration and could not see yeah. well, she knew when he came through the, the door and would call his name and she would get hold of him and hold his hand and hold his arm. And I just know that she felt like she was he was the closest thing to your grandfather, you know, that she, that she had. Yeah. And, and so she it totally changed their their relationship. Charlie's and hers too, because she would just really hold on to him and just cherish his visits. So, yeah, that's beautiful. That's cool. You guys both relating to people in your family, and like you talk about my grand grand and wanting, yeah, that's just it's interesting. And I think it's, um, it's beautiful. <laughs> Well, he was he was my hero growing up because as World War II came along and and my dad died a month before I was born, so the three girls, the four girls, had to go out and work. Yeah. And, and mom didn't. It was just me and mom and Ernest then, and then they drafted him in service, and times was rough. And uh, so we just had to learn to get along together. But he, growing up with him, he wasn't hard to get along with. I picked at him a lot, and he let me know right quick he could fight back too. So, but he was easy going all his life. Yeah. Easy going. He had to be. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have, both of you um, have overcome a lot yourselves and have a lot of strength. Um, and I'm just very grateful for, did you have any further questions, Nate? Did you want to say something, Charlie? What? No, just let him go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just... Um... Well, this this episode is about relationships and relationships with people with disability. I'm just I'm just trying to 
do you think getting sick made your relationship stronger or has it tested it? Like, is it, it may be a little of both. I think we had a good relationship before I got in this shape. I know we did. So how do you feel now? Did it make it stronger or has it tested? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I'm, think it has. Yeah. I'm really dependent on her and I count on her all the time. She's okay. always there. So more like reinforced what you had together because it made you actually like, I guess, need it like you you knew it was there but because you got sick you could actually lean on it and trust it and and i've been able to do things i never thought i could, could do which like physically some things that i've had to you know be able to do and oh. um, just uh, so it was just it's just helped my i guess i don't want to say self-esteem but maybe self-image i don't know but i just feel like i'm a stronger person because of what we've been through stronger in a lot of ways independently and together yeah that's neat thanks for asking that nate that was a really good question that's a good thought-provoking question <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> sometimes like i i mean i'm i'm sick and i have I don't have a like a romantic relationship, but I have relationships with people in my family and friends. And I just, I just, it's interesting to see how they've sort of, they come together to do stuff for me that I'm just not capable of doing. And I just to kind of, it's just, an in, it's just interesting to see how people will come. Like we're just, we're such a communal species, you know? Like we we gather to people that need us, and we don't even think about it. That's and we've, ex we've experienced that too, because we have a lot of friends and uh, and family who uh, have stepped in and have helped and have done done so many things and 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 very willingly and offer even when we don't know that we need something they will offer and uh, so it's. Uh, you're right. It's 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 that communal instinct to look after each other. Yeah, I don't know what okay. that is. Yeah, but it's there. <laughs> mm -hmm. when, okay. she gets, when she gets to run, sometimes she'll be running around the house. Uh, <laughs> just just doing doing something. She's real busy, and I'm sitting in her chair, and all of a sudden she'll come sit down on the couch. Says, "We need to talk." I said, okay, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but she's real serious. She's done thought of something she wants to talk about. So he knows he needs to perk up and listen then. <laughs> well, thank you guys both for being um, for being on our show today and answering our questions and opening up to us and um we just really thank you for that um for asking us this is this is i've we've i've used zoom a lot but this is our first podcast so this, <laughs> this is exciting it's just, ours too we're kind of learning as we do this each episode i just wish we could have met you a lot sooner because uh the first time i james said you and your mother was up to my brother's house 
one time and you must have been real little. I didn't remember it. First time I remember you is you sang at Ernest's funeral. And I thought she had the most beautiful voice. Thank you. Thank you. I um I'm so glad we're connecting now and building this relationship because it means it means the world to me to have I told I was telling Jane last night you're my adoptive grandparents now. <laughs> and we wow. gladly accept that position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Um I yeah. So I'm gonna um stop recording. But uh up next we have uh Nick. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about invisible disability and relationships. Hi, uh, I am Christina. Uh, we are back um, with uh, Dr. Strauss, Lexi, our co-host, and our friend Nick Howenstein. We're going to talk about relationships uh, and invisible disability. Um, so uh, to get us started, um, Nick, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what brings you here. Well, obviously, uh, Christina, you and I have been friends for a while. Um, and you know that I have major anxiety and depression issues and things like that. And I know that you and Nate, and I'm not familiar with Lexi, um, about your, you know, mental and physical issues as well. So it's just interesting to discuss with you know, people that are, you know, obviously you and Nate have um, physical manifestations of that type of stuff. But like we were talking about it, um, with me, it's more hidden. Yeah, and especially in relationships. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So could you explain like, for our followers, uh, you're saying you struggle with anxiety and depression. How does that, um, on a daily basis, relationships aside, how does that look for you? Because I know, you know, people think anxiety sometimes and they don't realize the um, how debilitating it can be for people. Um, so yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, yeah um, you're absolutely right. It, because it does, it does not have the, it doesn't have the, like I said, the physical attributes, you know, and stuff like that. Well, I shouldn't, that, sorry, that was incorrect, because it's not an attribute, but. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep down, like in the, and daily it is it's like in your core like in your chest and it's like um, it's like just waking up you know every day and it's like 
it's like, is this going to be a good day or a bad day? Yeah, we get and, that. Yeah, yeah, and it, that and that's what it is. It's 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 a silent. You know, it's the it's the silent uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, what kind of things does it? make you struggle with in your life like we talk about acts of daily living with us like going outside or taking a shower cooking for ourselves but how does it um what does it interfere with you on a daily basis it it mostly affects what i what i want to do during okay. the day and so yeah and um Let me say, I'm tr I'm trying to um, gather my words here. Is um, it just it 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 makes you very like like I I have uh, like ups and downs, like peaks and trolls, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like um, with being looking forward to a day and then also um and then another day i'll be like very cynical and like sardonic and stuff like that and that is and then with that in and with relationships i'm sorry i, I if i'm bloviating like um, you're fine <laughs> but in terms of relationships and how it affects whether it, they are romantic relationships or, you know, platonic relationships or I feel guilty a lot of the times because I, I don't want to project my weirdness, so to speak, upon them. Mm. And I, I and I know I, and I and I I do put weird in quotes because it's not weird to be, yeah, because it's like Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein. It's like A B normal. <laughs> what is normal? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Weird is the new black. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I, and well, I hear you like, describe yourself as weird a lot. Um, and you just mentioned guilt and I, uh, do you, so you feel, is that the way you feel about yourself in a way, or is it the way you think people see you? I think it's, I think it's a ladder, you know, okay. like how people see me and, um, well, and also it's like, and also, it's like I'm. I'm sorry to be making like, uh, you know, pop culture references and stuff. But it's like the Blur song, uh, Tracy Jacks. It's like I love to stay here and be normal, but it's so overrated. Yeah, <laughs> normal I mean, is overrated, Nick. Yeah. I'm gonna agree with you on that. Yeah. Oh, I just and disappeared. I'm a floating head. <laughs> <laughs> You're pausing, but we can still hear you, so it's great. <laughs> Well you're, well, you're a floating head and it is, uh, you know, it is spooky season. So it is. So it, yeah, it, we're it, 
speaking in spoons we're getting ready for halloween yeah it's, it's apropos so <laughs> um so how would you say um you started talking about it about how this has affected your relationships but could you give us like a little bit more detailed picture about like maybe um how it has interfered or challenged the way you have relationships well i get um i get very like nervous which is which is very strange because i i balance between like confidence and diffidence you know and stuff like that and but it's like you asked, uh, like I said, I, I'm sorry if I'm uh, repeating myself, but you asked like what, you know, what type of day is it going to be? Yeah. And so in terms of relationships, it's like, okay, what type of day is it going to be? And not to get too graphic or specific or anything but um you know waking up to past girlfriends and stuff like that it's like uh oh it's like is it gonna be a crappy day you know and or is it gonna be a good day <laughs> yeah um i think that's something a lot of people can relate to is the is it going to be a good day? Oh, wait, you're still talking. I just couldn't hear anything. Um, but I think a lot of people can relate to the, is this going to be a good day? Is this going to be a bad day? That struggle. Yeah. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. It's just like, it's, it's a day-to-day -day thing. Yeah. And, um, I know just from uh, when we spent time together, you would also shake a lot, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. which uh, is, uh, you know, was a new experience for me. So I was uh, just, you know, trying to be supportive. Um, yeah, but I know how stressful that was I, for you coming to much, see me. I very much appreciated that because I, you know, I would look forward to seeing you and hanging out but um it's kind of like i get i get very anxious um knowing that i'm going to have to be on like a long drive or a long flight or a train ride or something like that like being stuck in one place yeah um, it very much like gives me like like tenses me up and everything so and I, I i and i don't know i i don't like being confined you know and um and i've always been like that from childhood it's like yeah don't tell me what to do <laughs> it's like <laughs> it feels like that you know what i mean like it, it very yeah. much feels that way it's like like if I if I can't get out of a situation, um, yeah, that really bothers me. 
I felt like that on the boats in college. Like I felt like trapped on the boat, you know, like you couldn't, and that's the way I worry about cruise ships would be like that, that like that sense that you're trapped kind of thing. Those things are um, huge. You know, let alone the trafficking. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But um, uh, how would you say, Nick, like, has your um, anxiety and depression, has that, did you used to have, like, a view on relationships and the kind of really, like, romantic relationships you would want? And then has your anxiety and depression changed your view on relationships or what you want for yourself or what you see as achievable? Well, um, the thing is, I am, I am a, a, I'm a very jealous person. And I know that that negatively has affected my relationships and that is probably a product of my anxiety it it very much has gotten to the point where um my past relationships um my partners have been like you know nick that's really not cool but also like do you do what most um, anxious attachment people do and go for avoidant attachment people? What's that? Go for avoidant attachment people. What so is that? there's like, there's three types of attachment. There's like normal people. Well, there might be more. There might, I think there's another one that I'm not remembering, but there's anxious attachment style, avoidant attachment style, secure attachment style, which is normal people. And, um, there's like a mix of, of avoidant and anxious and um anxious people tend to always get with the avoidant people hmm. what do avoidant people do do they avoid the person they're attached to they're yeah they like they they're trying they tend to be like you know dismissive and kind of standoffish there's people like have you ever been in a relationship where you just felt like some like that person was distancing yes Yes. So like that would be, yeah, that's, that would be avoided people like, so like ghosting. Yeah. Ghost. Well, they don't ghost you really. They're just like, like, you know, they don't really open up. They don't show vulnerability. Like they don't like, you know, they don't, they're not gung ho about being in the relationship. They'll generally like self-sabotage by cheating. I always get the extremes. Yeah. No, we're so it's like a like kind of like a stoicism kind of thing yeah no it's just that they're so like they've they've been hurt like theirs tends to also come from trauma so like a lot of that comes from trauma like they, if i recall correctly from the from the papers there's like a little bit of trauma like involved with um with some of it but you know you could just be also that and it's not necessarily you had to have had trauma but um those with trauma tend to like you know you either like this you pull away and you like become self an island yeah and yeah. those people tend to be more okay. avoidant okay. do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah okay that's interesting yeah huh. well and that's the thing it's like i've i've never like experience in in terms of like relationships 
I've never specifically been uh, like been uh, traumatized or anything like yeah. I, I never had like a like a major event you know I've never been like well I mean it could just uh, like what they say is like it that. could also be from like you know like you know your mother was very avoidant so you became avoidant or you know your mother was very anxious and so therefore you became an anxious attachment style like it's like also like the plays into codependency and all kinds of stuff like it, it's really interesting if you want to look it up later oh yeah yeah no no it's it, it i mean it's always good to hear other people's perspectives and you know to um well it's a psychological like it's a psychological like relationship thing literature and stuff like that i mean it's always he know, loves to read <laughs> what's that I give you more homework you love to read yeah just, like he's giving you more homework and now this isn't homework about people like starting wars and killing each other this would be happy well not really happy it's relationships <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a really good question you asked in a perfect world with no illness and all that shit oh there i go um what would what was the question um that you said christina what in the perfect you want world from a relationship yeah. yeah would that what is changed? the idea yeah are you asking me yeah. yes so, we're interviewing you especially about that kurt vonnegut quote you dropped Drop it, drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? I have many. I know, but you did the uh, everything is beautiful and, and nothing, nothing hurts. hurts. Yeah. And um, um, that one's perfect because that is exactly wh what it's like with anxiety. Like yeah. you just wish that like everything didn't set you off. Sorry, I have anxiety too. No. Um, You're not alone in this. No, and... um. And this is a, um, you say ideal relationship, like feeling? Yeah, well, and it's kind of going back to what I was just saying a couple of minutes ago is like, you know, maybe when you were younger, um, I know you've always, you said you've always kind of had anxiety, but I know oh, things yeah. have also kind of progressed or you haven't. And like when, you, I, I guess when we're young girls, some of us, have dreams about like what we're gonna want for a relationship at some point. I want you know, fifteen guys kids. Make, I want yeah. five husbands, no, eight kidding. houses, two dogs. I'm gonna have a mansion. But like before, this was like interfering with your life. What did you see? And has um, your disability? Would you say that it's changed what you think? A relationship could be for you um and but like you know like you know before we all got sick and everything we probably had an idea that we were gonna all be like you know I, like personally I had the idea that I was gonna be a working woman raising kids at home doing it all you know and now I'm sick and because I'm sick you know a lot of people don't want to be with me well it's just cool but um you know like that whole thing where you had this idea that this is the relationship you were going to have that perfect like you know nuclear family and shit and i know that probably isn't what you wanted but um like what was your idea 
Yeah. What did you want? And how did you adapt with your illness? Well, that, thank that, you. Um, Much better worded than me, Lexi. <laughs> Sorry. No, well, thank you. Well, speaking of like the nuclear family and everything, and it's like, it's, it, it's supposed to be this like very idyllic, you know, it's like white picket fences and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just, um, it's not, uh, that's not what I wanted. I've never wanted that. You know, and, and you grow up thinking that that is what you are supposed to have. But, you know, it's like um, stuff happens and it just like, <laughs> it's like um, stuff just happens you have um did you if you could give advice to people out there that are in relationships um with someone who has anxiety or someone with anxiety who's trying to have relationships what would you say um i would say that um transparency like be open and honest like let uh, let it out there yeah, because it's <clears throat> it's going to come out eventually. But the problem is, like, you let people know, and they have this idea of how it's going to be, and they don't, you know. And then reality hits, and it's too much. They always think they can handle it better in the moment, and then it's just absolutely terrifying. And then after so many of those, yeah. they just leave. Well, and but you don't, Lexi. You don't want to you know, hit them, hit them with it, like, all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, like, you slowly, gradually, like, let them know, like, yeah. exactly what they're going to be dealing with over time, but generally, whenever it hits, like, I, I, like, whenever you have, like, severe anxiety, like, when your anxiety won't let go, and you are just always a ball of just anxiety, and, like, whenever it's really, really, really bad, and then they can't deal with it, because it's, oh, it's worn them down over time, you know, yeah, all right, that's personally my thing, but I'm <laughs> my, I'm projecting. Sorry. Well, I will say I I find it very helpful when Nick told me, like while we were talking before he came to visit me. Yeah. Kind of what to expect and what he was going through. I found um, that helpful. Yeah, it's like, Christina, it's like you knew my stuff and I knew your stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, we, we have, and are you ever really prepared? Like you said, Lexi, no, not till you experience it firsthand, but yeah. Well, and it's like, and sorry not to get too nerdy, but, um, um nerd away. Yeah. We all speak nerd fluently. No, but like, um, uh, the Supreme Court Justice, <clears throat> sorry, um, Louis Brandeis, you know, from the uh, early 1900s. One of my favorite quotes is he always said, like, to paraphrase, like, the best antiseptic is sunshine. Yeah. Meaning, mm -hmm. just get it out there, you know. Um, yeah, darkness can't exist in the light. Exactly, exactly. Like, um, 
you know, it's like, just. I like that. Don't, it's like, don't, don't obfuscate or anything. It's like, just be upfront and okay. tell people. You know, because. Cool. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, if you were dating someone who was blind or, you know, or, or deaf, it's like, there are a lot of like actual, like physical cues and stuff like that. But if you have anxiety, that's not necessarily an, an open thing. It's not a physical thing other than like the shaking and stuff like that. Yeah. But if um, there's things you need, just like they would need from somebody, you know, like exactly. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But it, it, but it's like, I, you know, and I, I dated a, a woman who is deaf. Yeah. And it's like, and that was, and she had a cochlear implant and it's like, yeah. okay, so you could, you could physically see that she had some sort of disability or, you know, you are using wheelchairs or walkers and canes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. But and it's hard for people whenever it's invisible to like realize, oh, this is them being anxious. Yeah. Because that's yeah. not something they normally have to think about. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I don't want to have to like wear a sign around my neck, you know, that says, hey, I have anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. people use it against you all the time. All yeah. the time. well, yeah. I mean, that was what I was told to hide my disability initially by family and friends, because it wasn't because it used to be invisible for me. So mm-hmm. when it was invisible, I just hid it, didn't tell anybody. Went to relationships, never and divulged it. Then I brought you to the dark side. I'm sorry to circle back to Christina. Okay. Um, One of the, um, you say like relationship and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, One of my best memories is, um, is my former girlfriend, uh, Christiana and when we went to New Orleans over cool. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting Valentine's Day choice. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Was I mean, real? we all need a little voodoo for love, right? Yeah, I feel like it could be either very romantic or very like hardcore party, or both. Oh, was, why not it, both? No, we didn't. We didn't do like the. Well, we we did the Bourbon Street like uh, stuff and like French Quarter, um, but we weren't like hardcore party and stuff. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, we <laughs> just we just went to like nice dinners and stuff like that and like New uh, Orleans. I mean, I've never been to New Orleans, but I imagine it's pretty much like I've seen the movie with that frog. I think I understand New Orleans. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. why was that such a good memory for you, Nick? Oh no! <laughs> um, because it was the it was the last time that, or one of the 
um, times that I can remember that you just wake up and feel truly happy. Mm. Yeah, and it was like, I don't know if it was, if it was her, I mean, and, but then, yeah, it, and that's the thing. It's like, I did not feel anxious at all that weekend. Yeah. And I'm sure and that was very, um, made it, it even more special. Yeah, it, it was relieving. It, yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, Someone where you can be around yeah. them and that just melts away. You think that's what it was? It was that that's the thing. It's like, comfortable. Was there something she did, like something that care, like people who are in relationships with people with anxiety can keep in mind to make things more like that weekend for you or just in daily life, um, you know, like things like, you know, hey, they, they get, sometimes we have outbursts. It's, you know. No, it, uh, Lexi, that's a good, that's an absolutely great question. Um, she just, um, she has this, and we have not um, been in contact for, you know, a couple of years now. Um, but she just has this like aura of calm, calm about her, like, and and her voice is very like dulcet. That's why we need the stable people. Yeah. <laughs> we need our anchors. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like, it just bring it, like, she just always, like, brought me sucker, you know, and everything. It was just like, she just had this, like, I don't give a shit mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, or just like this calming presence. So. Mine just tells me you're spinning out. Shut the fuck up. Go sit down. <laughs> calm the fuck down. <laughs> Like, that's what mine does. He's like, you're spinning out. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, you, you can have the people in your life. Um, but sometimes we don't realize we're spinning out. So it's important to have somebody be like, yo, calm the fuck down. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, regardless of whether or not it is a romantic partner or, you know, a friend caretaker friend member. parent yeah it's something like that it's like you have you have the ones who like you said mm -hmm. just call you out you know call you out on your on your stuff and then you got friends like my friend becky who mm -hmm. like is like turtle time and she just hugs me and i just bury myself in her and she just holds me and wraps her body around and exactly. that is like the most calming de-stemming is it called stemming is stemming is whenever you're getting into it and then whenever you're yeah that's usually with um people on the spectrum too like the over um stimulation yeah but yeah. anxiety gets that too there's oh. so many correlations with yeah. anxiety and autism too which is cool but um sorry yeah so, so you have the people who like uh, who will call you out on your stuff or the ones who are just like they don't have to say anything and they're just like yeah yep I get it. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. Um, but thank you, Nick, for being on with us today yeah, and I, opening I, up I, and I, being I vulnerable. Hope, I, I hope you can. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. And stay tuned uh, for 
hosts. Uh, the hosts and I talking about the juicy dirt. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, this is Christina Brookman and Dr. Strauss and Lexi back with you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the interviews you just watched or listen to, whatever your preference was. Let's talk about the Brookbens. Any thoughts or feelings there? They're adorable. <laughs> like, she's what I aspire to be. Like, I was a caretaker, and I felt like I wasn't patient enough. I wasn't, I mean, you know, you look back, especially after you die, and you, they're dying, and you're like, I wish I'd done this better. And, but she just, like, seems like she's just so sweet, and... Um, she's just got it down and they just are adorable that's what I want that's what I want to I look at them and I'm like their communication is just and you hit on that a lot during the interview Nate like their communication is just incredible their bond their friendship they're willing to work through things and like you were saying uh, Lexi about wanting to be like her as you know supportive that's what i want in a partner somebody that is supportive like that and understanding and listens to me and i also look at him and how um calm and patient he he reminds me a lot of my grandfather who i said was like the calm in the storm and i've always been like the feisty one the talkative one like my granny and searching for someone that is calmer and quieter than I am to kind of balance that they just seem to have a really healthy balance balance yeah and it would just be wonderful to find somebody that could put up with the crap we go through on a daily basis and not walk away and not get angry at you for maybe miscommunicating because you're in pain or you're scared you know like yeah I just think that's amazing that they found that they have that what about you Nate well I, I thought it was interesting that when I asked her that question about their connection she she thought it had a lot to do with their upbringing and yeah. she had sort of to model and Coming from a somewhat broken home myself, it's kind of hard to see. I mean, it's not its not like it can't be done. My sister is in a very happy marriage for, I think, seven years now, no longer. And my brother-in-law, or my, my half-brother also in a really yeah. great marriage. So just because you come from a broken home is not, like, uh, written in stone. But you can have that, like, perfect life. Well, not perfect, but, like, that that connection with someone else. Yeah if you didn't have parents necessarily to model it for you. So I think, I think that gives a lot of hope. Um, I, yeah. That people I think could... so too. It can, cause I feel like I came from a broken home too. And how about you, Lexi? Um, I, I pretty much came from a very fucked up home and yeah. uh, very fucked up. Um, I think my, what my therapist likens part of it to misery um oh, <laughs> and um the, the so like I, it's hard to know what like a healthy loving 
relationship is. Yeah, and I, that's that's a big part of my journey and my process, and I'm still really working on that. Um, I, you know, I've had I've had that, and um, my migraines became too much of a problem, and a lot of my relationships, the migraines were the big defining factor of why we broke up. Um, there were other factors, but it was always a big part of it. And, yes. you know, I, I could literally like after a big attack, I mean, it would, it, it most of them after six months couldn't handle, like, you know, I, I gave it six months. I, after every attack, there would be a breakup. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, um, there, there were some cases that lasted longer <laughs> and they were cool. Um, uh, but I mean, it's hard for anybody and, you know, especially whenever a lot of them came from houses where they had a chronically ill parent, they didn't want to deal with that because they had watched that struggle. And, you know, a lot of them want that, you know, that ideal mate, the one that goes to work and raises the kids and, you know, and that's just physically not something I can do. And also I don't think because I came from an abusive household, I don't think that I could, I should have kids because first off, I feel like I would probably end up having the next Hitler Um, just because I'm fucked up and genetically we're all fucked up and, uh, you know, and just karma wise for like all the shit that I get, I would end up having like the next Hitler kid. Um, Really? I could give you the next angel, you know? Huh? Maybe you'd get like you know, um, Mother Teresa or something because of all this. She wasn't any good. Her, been... She was ooh, Mother Teresa's controversial. We'll go there next episode. <laughs> that is controversial. Do you hate Gandhi too? <laughs> there is controversy with Gandhi that I know. Yeah. Okay, anyways, to keep <laughs> us on track. Um, But that goes into an interesting thing that we're going to be talking about next episode too is um family planning with disability because i i have the same issue where medically i can't have kids i know now um but also i shouldn't or i feel morally obligated not to because of everything i have and i'm concerned about the child's experience like i couldn't physically handle a young child and i can't I'm so light sensitive, smell sensitive. I have all these episodes, like, you know, you know, Lexi, but also with the trigeminal pain or the inability to regulate my temperature, like summer, I'm a hermit. So like whenever they want to go play soccer or go be on swim team, all this stuff, mommy can't go. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would be fair to them. Like I have dated guys that have kids and you know i get excited when i hear a guy has older kids because then maybe i could be part of a family but it's it's i know i would never be somebody's mother it's different you know and i could never replace that but that's next episode but um but it does i think affect i have had guys how you date find that yeah it affects how you date because um i try to be upfront about that and um there are lots of guys that don't want to date someone who can't have their own children yeah um and like i've gotten turned down because of that or um 
or because of disability that, but I appreciate them being upfront instead of getting me emotionally invested yeah. and then, you know, just it being a traumatic ending. So what about Nick? Any thoughts about our interview with Nick? I um, just, uh, I thought it was interesting because I mean, because you two, that's how you know Nick, you, you dated him. Yeah. It was interesting because like I didn't, I really, I heard from you before I ever knew Nick. So I was getting your perspective of Nick before I met Nick and found out his perspective of himself. So it was just yeah. interesting the two stories sort of like a little buttheads a little bit i think that's always the case but he's he's got a very good um uh he's very self-aware i think and that's yeah. really interesting and healthy i think oh yeah i mean if you're not aware of your circumstances it kind of makes you a little bit like the obliviousness is very unattractive i would say yeah Mr. Magoo, kind of. And I think it was bra really brave for him to come on and important because it, we don't talk about invisible disability, mental health disability. Um, and it is something that affects him so dramatically um, to the point of employment and relationships, you know. Um, and uh, and I people need to hear about that because there's other people like that out there. And they need to know they're not alone. You know, what about you, Lexi? Any thoughts? Um, I love his Kurt Vonnegut quote. Everything's beautiful and nothing hurts because that is the dream. Like that is so the dream, especially like with the invisible illness and the anxiety. You want everything to be beautiful because you want your brain to not be in that constant mode of like everything is a threat. Yeah. And, you know, that's a hard thing to come out of. And that's exhausting every day and that's such the dream um let's see i took notes so sorry do you want to share any of let me explain i had technical issues which is why i was not involved with the interviews but i have caught up um yeah i really liked your question about what um what you what a perfect world would would uh what you would want in a relationship in a perfect world and i wanted to know what you guys wanted where you weren't sick what would you like how would like compared to what you want now like what is versus you know what you would want in a like right now like you know i mean for me i personally have to set i, I feel like you know you're gonna have to settle on some things because you know yeah. the dating pool is not as big of people that are going to accept you yeah. And, um, you know, and, you know, just having someone that actually cares and shows up, you know, you've got that, that speaks volumes and there might be, you know, things that you would never consider at before, but now you do because you're sick. Well, even when, even when my disability was invisible and the dating pool was seemingly like wide open, it was still difficult to yeah. date. It was just frustrating. Like no one had to really accept me as I was, but I mean, if it, I mean, you would have to like, like I think I told Christina in our previous interview that I dated someone where I didn't get. I think I said this in the interview. I dated someone where I didn't tell her I was sick. Yeah, and you got, 
she found out at a party that I was sick and she yelled at me about it. And then, but she was, she had her own things and there wasn't like, we would get, we would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. And we even got back together like years later and then broke up. Yeah. But when you're disabled, like you, like there were people showing up for you every day means so much that like you might overlook parts that you wouldn't consider before you know it's definitely changed my perspective on what's important in a relationship yeah Yeah, you know overlook i think it's you're you're looking for something different i think now i'm looking for yeah like a personality more than just like I, i think i was more focused on physical attractiveness like i do want that but i think inside and how they treat you and talk to you is more important to me way more important yeah sense of humor beauty you know like i just those things are important but they're not the deciding factors like someone who's in touch spiritually and can talk to me emotionally is there for me when i need her means more to me now than all those other factors that make someone like relatively attractive yeah no I agree with all that you said that's definitely how I look at it um I'm just and I sorry no go ahead I was just gonna say I would love to have kids yeah I want a family um but that has changed like I could have a house of animals that are my kids um but I want someone to be with someone who likes kids whether or not we have kids and is okay with the fact that I can't have kids doesn't judge me or see me as weak I had a doctor my surgeon on the phone called me a strong no 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 this is a good thing the doctor called me a strong woman I've never had a a doctor say that to me and that just felt so good to hear because I have been through so much and I know that I'm strong but then this is gonna sound weird like I'm not like I that's a doctor patient thing but no it I want a partner who doesn't see me as weak because I'm disabled they see me as strong as a fighter and they want to be there with me and support me however they can best do that yeah um and who's not going to leave when it gets hard. Like with Charlie and Jane, they talk about, do they agree all the time? No. Um, but they talk through things. They share things. I want to know when someone's upset about something. I don't want to find out all of a sudden that they're upset about something and have the whole thing be over. Mm. And that's happened to me in the past. Oh, I, yeah. Me too. I, um, I, I, want, I want a best friend. And a lot, like for me, that's it. I want to marry my best friend or not have a piece of paper and live with my best friend and be best friends and lovers for life and just support each other with everything. Um, however, that dream. ends up looking. That's the dream. I don't know that it's ha- going to happen for me. It feels like I'm going to have a lot of dates for the rest of my life. I, yeah. And, you know? and you feel like you have to settle on things if you want to have that relationship like I could care less about money or any I want somebody who has their stuff together because my life is such a mess but I take someone has to have control 
Someone's, I, I want their life together. But by that, I mean, like, they make the effort every morning. Yeah. Like, they get up, like, that's what I do. Like, I have no money. I'm on food stamps. I use services. But I call and I make that stuff happen. Do you know what I mean? I want to know that they can take care of themselves. They can manage their bills. You know, like, they're not racking up tons of debt that I need to worry about. Because um, I have so much stuff on my own end. I, I do worry about dating another person that's physically disabled because not that I judge them for that, but I worry like I'm like if we could both your services uh, and hang out together, then we'd be great. Yeah. That's the dream. But like but, you're yeah, it's hard whenever you're them. sick and you're also having to help someone else that's sick. I yeah, and I wouldn't that. be able to support yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to support them the way they need, and I worry they'd be able to support me the way I need. Maybe it's possible. I don't know. Because now I'm like, well, if we both had my dream is for the three of us to get a habitat for humanity house and we all live there and be happy for the rest of our lives with lots of animals and maybe also, we'll some adopt some foster children to do I'll the chores and hang out and watch marvel movies with us yes okay i just feel like sorry i'm I totally interrupting you nate i don't have to support the dream like i just i like that dream it just seems like it's just a pipe dream like there's no Only way a pipe dream <laughs> house and then get animals and then what like who's gonna take care of us well we could get caretakers maybe <laughs> this dream slowly like coming down <laughs> as a, like, caretakers we could get round the clock care that's what the foster kids are for I know, we're gonna no, be no 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 you can't, can't do that you can't make them everybody's gonna like hate the podcast now i'm totally joking i love children so please don't take that serious yeah, you won't more people should adopt children and love them anyways for the house by adopting children <laughs> just a thought oh, we're going to hell Nate. yeah yeah i mean it'd be it'd be an interesting we'd have to evade the government um yeah we would be putting those kids to child labor. I was just going to say we need to get a big house that has room for our caretakers. Like, that would True be that. more logical. I mean... <laughs> All right. Big house. Than... <laughs> so we can get a big house. Yeah. We got to move out to the mountains. Oh, that'd be nice. I would love to live that'd in the mountains. beautiful. This is happening, people. It's going to happen. Christina, when I move... When I move out to the mountains, I'll find a place that will it, that'll be big enough for us. Yeah. We'll just marry each other. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, how has... Let's pass the conch again. How has disability affected your relationships? We've already kind of talked about this. Well, but mean, let's... even dating now. Like, I'm just... Negatively, I suppose. It's just got so hard. But I'm just how not... Has, why has it gotten hard? Well, my physical ability has got, like, I'm not driving anymore. I'm not really walking that great. Um, the only thing that's improved, really, is my mood. Yeah. But, uh, like, that doesn't that's really... That's a big thing. I think just... people don't realize, that's a big though, accomplishment. it's huge. But uh, the reason I'm asking why in specifics is... There's a lot of people out there that don't realize why it's hard for disabled people to date. 
like what exactly we go through. So that's why well, I want to get to well, how does it, sees it. So then you've got to have awkward conversations every fucking time you get a new new dude messaging you and you've got to like go through the awkward well I'm sick and blah 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 and then they're like and then you know then you've got the you know that rejection and then people can be assholes with that and then yeah. you've got everything you say like it's hard to get out of the house who wants like you can't have a fun date like you know dates used to be going what hiking and shit and now you now you can't even do that like you can't do that like dates boyfriends husbands don't want to be caretakers yeah is what i found and i don't want them to be a caretaker i want them to be an advocate and you know that comes to my favorite study um it's a good statistic yeah it's a good statistic um so they did a study on chronic illness and like chronically ill and terminal patients and their relationships and 75 percent of men left while 25 stayed and women it was absolute inverse correlation with 75 staying and 25 percent leaving so like i mean whenever i look at me being a straight woman somewhat straight um uh, i mean i think they're cute i think they're cute i just don't really think i could like go all the way um (laughs) spectrum like what's the what's where's the line yeah it's a blurred line um but i mean that's how i get my best friend was we had crutches on each other <laughs> um but um yeah uh i don't know where i was going with that oh um yeah so like looking at that like it just makes more sense for me to not expect a relationship to work out and that realistically oh i froze I it's okay you're now. there we can hear you okay um but no like realistically it's just why would I, I I need to set myself up mentally for that to not be so devastating whenever it happens because it happens a lot I just, it does it, like you said Lexi it's a, it's a it's very traumatic when that happens you know especially when it's a sudden thing and you're sick and you have no it's resources nothing you can control it's nothing you you can't control and there's nothing you can do about it and and it's affected my dating sense like it's i really look for that's why i'm so you know upfront from the beginning this is all of the stuff this is what you'd have to deal with if you can't handle it don't don't talk to me um and and i don't mean that in like don't talk to me you know like i've made lots of friends actually through online dating that's been wonderful but i will say dating when you're disabled i did want to touch on is i feel less safe as a woman now that i'm disabled than i did before when i was more physically able to um protect myself in situations and that, but I, um, I, last year I met somebody through online dating and he never wanted to, we had different interests, but we quickly became very good friends. We hung out for several months, at least once a day, every week. And my back went out and I was, you know, I was just going through a flare up of where I couldn't walk. And so I was using a cane when we would hang out and he took my cane away from me and he raped me. And 
I don't, it's not online dating, but it, you're more vulnerable in these. And it makes me cautious. And it happened again, you know, it happened twice last year. And it's the weird thing is I keep putting myself out there. I keep doing it because I don't want to believe that just because somebody did that or somebody left me years ago doesn't mean there isn't somebody out there that could be my best friend and partner you know i'm not giving up but it's just harder and like you know it's, it's very it's, hard when you get rejected because of that thing that you can't like you like when and you were upfront about it like and yeah. i think like it's really important if you do have a person that is acting as a caretaker to do relationship checks and make sure that things aren't healthy i mean are, are i mean are healthy are still being healthy and like having that you mean like a caretaker when like they once, once a month at the like, i would ask them i'm like is there any issues we need to bring up relationship check are we cool oh, that's interesting and, and um you know and you know you know it opens up for dialogue. do you feel safe like do you feel comfortable happy like anything yeah like you can bring up anything um doesn't I think you know, I'm very close with my caretakers they're like we're like friends well I and mean, I love that I I do it in like a lot of relationships are we cool like you know yeah I, I'll do that a lot but um but it's um but especially romantic relationships I would do that because they are taking on a caretaker role yeah and um and you, you know, can't ignore that yeah I just didn't I like, like that sorry I mean, Nate I mean, it's just what I just don't, I didn't think it was fair to do that to somebody, especially somebody you love. Yeah. And that's part that's of the reason I break up with some of my long-term girlfriends is because I just, I didn't want them to have to. And now that I am here, I feel at least justified that I did end it with them because I wouldn't want that person to have to deal with this. But it's hard because you don't want people, you don't want to do that to someone you love, but you need someone you love nearby yeah. because it's so fucking hard and you just need someone to support you. And like, it can be family and, you know, you know, this is about relationships. So we're also talking about family and friends, like, you know, you, you know, need that support. Yeah. And the thing is, I found is that like the people that you need, like whenever I, find out about an illness like I find a lot of people come into my life like since I've been ill like I found a lot of people have come into my life that and a lot of people have left my life that are very that were very toxic for the situation yeah so you know I mean you know I had a friend who swore I was a hip a hypochondriac for 15 years this was my best friend for 15 years she was still my best friend and you know it I lived with her and it took her after I moved out like three years after I moved out for her to actually look up my condition and try to, and then she got empathy. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, and you know, that because they, people think they happens. know everything, but it's great when it happens, but you know, even if they see it every day, they still don't like, you know, get it, get it. Yeah. yeah my, but that's, that's why I've done so much. I've just been having such a hard time dating that I think, the one thing that's why I did so much work on myself is because I didn't love me. Yeah. 
think that's one of the biggest things. Like, I don't need a person anymore because I found love for myself. And it's so, I think that's why I've been in a better mood. Well, I mean, I would rather have my best friend pick me up out of the bathtub than, you know, a caretaker. I would rather have, you know, I would rather have someone, you know, that re like that isn't paid to be there. But th that's you. Yeah, I'm just saying like that's. But she's allowed <laughs> to have that feeling, yeah, you know. And, and I'm sure there's lots of people and I feel like that sometimes like I make friends with my caretakers and it's actually like it's nice we're Facebook friends we we chat like you just, know well it's weird because we do physically need someone we physically to help. need help yeah and that's hard but I, like it's somewhere in between what you're saying Nate and what you're saying Lexi for me like I finally love myself I wasn't there for a while it took my divorce and things after that for me to take the time. Like I didn't date for six years and I took a lot of time to just get to know myself, work on myself. And uh, so I know I'm my best advocate. I know that I love myself. I know I have incredible friends and like what you were saying, Lexi, like the right people come into your life. And the wrong ones leave your life. It, it, I think it gives you a better understanding of what real love is mm -hmm. because yeah. it's better express. The people that really love you are better expressing it. And like, I had a friend that I thought was my friend for years. Like you're talking about Lexi and a couple months ago when I was these, the hemiplegic migraines were starting again. And I was also having the trigeminal neuralgia and like, people just don't get how much pain that like it's like considered one they of the most painful conditions is yeah like it's Never. it's bad and one night I had called everybody and nobody could help nobody could come and I literally couldn't walk to the bathroom um and I was scared so I called uh it did not go over well and uh, I was accused of calling at midnight which I didn't but her basic comment later was when we, like, I mess and I messaged very meanly to her because I was angry at the world. And I took it all out on her a couple months later because I needed to take it out on somebody. But she came back with that our relationship had become toxic um, and that she wanted to be my friend and not my caretaker. Um, and that really hurt because I was like, unfortunately, because of my conditions often my friends are my caretakers like my roommates hillary and beth are incredible like he'll often cook meals for me he helps me feed phoenix like when i fall like every time i fall and like and he's around he comes gets me catches me gets me in my wheelchair you know like brings me ice when i get overheated they hold my hand when I'm crying. Like they're just, they're friends, the but they're also caring. It's showing up. It's yeah. showing the up. And I have a friend, showing up. a power of attorney, you know, and, um, because, you know, like it's, and as this isn't just about disabled people, it's about like, as people get older, stuff happens medically. And your loved ones are going to go through this and you need to show up 
for them and not take it out on them when they need you. Yeah. You know, not we should tell them guilty. they're faking. Yeah, not tell them they're faking, not tell them they're being dramatic. She told me, she's like, well, you know, you should just, you know, she's like, well, at least you weren't dying. You're like, you know, you should just you go. You need to push through. Yeah. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, well, I'm back in my wheelchair, but at least I wasn't dying. That was a little harsh, but because she had been like, you're not dying, Christine. I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm paralyzed and I can't get to the bathroom and I needed help. Because I was literally going to pee the sofa and poop myself, which has yeah. happened. Yeah, and it does so, happen with our condition. It does. I love how, like, yeah, I, I was accused of doing that for attention yeah. once by my mother. And for pissing the bed and vomiting all, all, everywhere um, while it was paralyzed. I was doing that for attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, sounds like, that sounds about right. You're yeah. pissing yourself because you don't get enough love. Yeah, yeah. Because she we was just downstairs about... with other family members, so I was upset because she wasn't up there taking care of me. It's, it's ridiculous. Mean, people say things like that because they want to distance themselves from what's actually happening. Yeah, I know, and that, and you know that, and you see that, and it hurts because it really hurts. Distance, yeah. and you realize you didn't really you you did a lot for that person, and they don't give a shit about you. Yeah. And that's what hurts the most. I don't like that. That's why dating's so hard is because you don't want to bring that. Like as much as you want another person emotionally, romantically, you know, whatever type of connection you want with them, I think the hard part is that reality that is you, and putting another person in that and saying, "Love me." And but maybe, maybe we just maybe rush into the romance part, and like. I just want a best friend who I also, you know, have fun with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what a relationship should be anyways, right? Maybe we should get yeah. on Bumble Friends. Bumble Friends. Yeah, instead of romance on Bumble. Well, I like eventually for there to be romance, but I think it's something that should build, you know? Yeah, get a good foundation. Yeah, like like they were saying, like Jane and Charlie were saying, they had a good foundation. Yeah. Well, I do always say that soulmates aren't found, they're forged. And like, you can't find a person, you have to build a person. And if you don't have good materials, that person's going to suck. Like, you have good starting materials to build a, a, a soulmate, but you have to build it. You can't just get it. Build, like, change them or like work together to create metaphor christina well i can be literal sometimes you're literal (laughs) oh god i just choked in my water just uh, dating is interesting now that i'm very much disabled i think it's changing the game of it like it used to be more of a game of playing it it was a it was a game of numbers like you wanted to talk to a lot of people but now you're more looking for a in the rough you want one genuine person and nobody's single like in my in our age group like they're we're 40 so the 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 dating pool has shrunken it's shrunk yeah it's shrunk and the only people that are left are like are just (sighs) i get hit up by a lot of 20 year olds and i'm like no yeah like did you look at my age Mm. no 
I'm not into the cougars. <laughs> or like six but, you know, rocket like if you are. Like, I mean, if you can get a 20 year old, then go for it, you know? But then I mean, I'm with a 20 year old. But see, women in our age, time with 20 year olds, right? 35, we peak at 35. We peak sexually at like 30, 30, like 35. You pass you your sexually, that's whenever our sexual peak is, and men not tend true. to be at like nineteen and thirty. Like our sexual drive re- ramps up at the end of our like. Yeah, but I took a break in my thirties, so well, like I, I have too, like leftover. But that doesn't reserve. mean my batteries didn't die all the fucking time. No, it's leftover reserve that I'm is you know needs to be used. <laughs> you froze, Lexi, but you no, you didn't. Not there you are. You look beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, next week, guys, we're gonna talk about reserve batteries and family planning. Bacon and spoons. Oh wait, we didn't do our little um uh song. What were we gonna? Bom, 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 bom. Cause I love you. No, that's not it. Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, I, I I'm not, not I'm not mentally prepared for that. But you're so good at it. I know. Just pump me up. I need a little. God, we're so white. This is pain management right here. Laughter, laughter is the key. Peace, guys. Stay safe from the hurricane. Forge some soulmates. If you want to contact us, please send a DM or an email to speakingatspoons at gmail.com with any stories you have or if you'd like to interview with us on any of our upcoming topics. Thank you for listening to Speaking in Spoons and have a great day.